0: Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday morning podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Good morning, River of Life. We had a great service this morning at 830 and uh, they, my, my instructions were do it again. Y'all know how hard it is to do something again the second time? I'm reminded of that uh, carnival guy that uh, had a trained elephant. And he went across the country making all kind of money. And and his thing was, all you had to do was just make the elephant rear up on its back uh, back, back legs and just squeal. And uh, people did everything. They shouted. They shot guns. They threw mice down. Nothing. Finally, he messed up. He went to a little town in North Florida called Sopchoppy. And there was an old farmer that showed up. He paid his $1 and all he had to do was make that elephant rear up on his back hind legs. That farmer took a pitchfork, walked around behind that elephant. And sure enough, elephant raised up like the, the guy that owned the elephant said, I'm ruined. Everybody will hear about this. I'll never be able to make another dollar. So he had to retrain his elephant. And he trained the elephant to shake his head up and down and sideways. And he, he went all over the country again, and he it, people pay a dollar. If you can make my elephant shake his head yes and shake his head no, then, then you win. Nobody could do it. And then he messed up. And he went back to that town in northwest Little Florida, a place called Sopchoppy. And there was that same farmer. He paid his dollar, walked over in front of that elephant and said, do you remember me? That elephant went. He said, do you want me to do it again? But we're gonna do it again, amen. You got your Bible? Turn with us this morning to Mark's gospel, the fourth chapter, Mark chapter number four. We're going to begin our reading in verse number 35. And if you don't have your Bible, it'll be up on the screen for you. Mark chapter four, verse number 35. The Bible says, and the same day when evening was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, They took him even as he was into the ship. Now, can I say to you this morning that that's the only way you can take Jesus? He is not going to conform to the day and time in which you live. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he said 2,000 years ago is what he's going to say 2,000 millennial from now. It is the same word and the same Lord. Verse number 37, there arose a great storm and the waves beat into the ship that it was now full and he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow and they awakened him and said unto him, master, care not that we perish and he arose and he rebuked the wind and the sea. And said, peace be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You'll pray with us, please. Father. Father. Thank you for this opportunity. Let us make full use of it. God, it's not what we say, it's what you say that's going to matter for eternity. Lord God, we surrender ourselves completely to you. Fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. Do what you said you would do in First John chapter number 2. Give us that unction from the Holy Ghost. And Lord God, we'll praise you for all that you do in this service this morning. Amen. As you come upon our Lord, you understand that these are busy days for him. In fact, the word of God tells us in Mark chapter 10 and verse number 15 that forever the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And he gave his body a ransom for many. We see in these verses that are before us that that our Lord is, is portrayed in both his deity as well as his humanity. Look again, if you will, in verse number 36, he is the welcomed Christ. They took him as he was. In verse number 38, he's the weary Christ. He is laying and taking a nap. In verse number 39, he is the wonder-working Christ as he rebukes the wind and the sea. In verse number 40, he is the wondering Christ, wondering about the faith of his disciples. And then in verse number 41, he is the wonderful Christ who can rebuke even the winds and the seas. The disciples, much like us, were concerned with their present surroundings and with their present happenings so much were they concerned with what was going on around them that they forgot who was with them can I say to you in the world in which you and I live today there are a lot of things going on And if we're not careful, we'll forget that there is one who has promised to be with us every step of the journey. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He is our Lord. He is our master. He is God in Christ. When our eyes are upon the world and the problems and its cares, it's easy to think that Jesus just doesn't love us anymore. Yet, when they woke him up, he got up, and the very thing that was causing them so much discontent, so much heartache, he spoke to. (laughs) And the winds laid down. And the seas, the Bible said it was a great God. I don't know what what storm you're going through, dear friend. But I know that he's able to speak to it. And if you'll surrender yourself to him, if you like the disciples, will go and say, Lord, cares not that we perish. Do something, and then you turn your situation over to the Lord. I know that he is able. Amen. Amen. First Peter five and verse number seven, the Bible said, Cast all my pastor said, All means all, and that's all that all means. Cast all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. As they saw what Jesus did, they were totally amazed. And they said, what manner of man is this? And so for a little while this morning, if you'll allow me, I'd like to brag on my Jesus. And I began by saying that first and foremost, he is the incomparable Christ. I mean, who are you gonna compare Christ to? In every comparison, there must be at least two entities. If you were, for instance, comparing great musicians, you might compare a Bach with a Beethoven. If you were comparing great military strategists, you might compare a Douglas MacArthur with a, a uh, George Patton. If you were comparing literary greats, you might compare a Shakespeare with a Longfellow. If you were comparing great philosophers, you might compare a Plato with an Aristotle. If you were comparing great hymn writers, you might compare Fanny Crosby uh, with uh, uh, John Wesley. If you were comparing great preachers, you might compare a Moody with with a Spurgeon or a Jones. Amen. But when it comes to Jesus, who are you going to compare him to? Isaiah chapter number 40, verse number 18, the Bible says, To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Verse number 12. He said, he hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. He meted out the heavens with a span. He comprehended the dust of the earth and a measure and he weighed the mountains in a scale and the hills in a balance. That's my God. Verse number 22. The Bible says, "He is, it is he that setteth upon the circle of the earth, the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers, that stretches out the heaven as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent. To dwell in. Verse number 25 reiterates the question. To whom then will you liken me or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One. He is Christ, the Son of God, and besides him there is no other. He is the incomparable one. Our sorrows are comforted by his presence. Our sicknesses are healed by his stripes. Our sins are nailed to his cross. Our shouts hover over his empty tomb. And our service hinges on his soon return. He is Christ. He is incomparable. Renoir, the great French historian of the 1800s, wrote, Let the greatest surprises of the future come, but never has there arisen, nor shall there arise another like Jesus the Christ. Socrates taught for 40 years. Plato taught for 50 years. Aristotle taught for another 40 years. Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry so infinitely transcends the impact of the combined 130 years of teaching of the three men considered the world's greatest philosopher that when compared to Jesus, they pale into insignificance. He never never, uh, posed for a picture. Yet the works of uh, Raphael and Michelangelo and da Vinci received their greatest inspiration from him. He never never composed any music. Yet the works of Handel, Beethoven, and Bach reached their highest perfection in hymns about him. (laughs) He never wrote a book. Yet John said that if all that he did and all that he said were written down, the world would not hold the volumes. He never raised an army. Yet those who have died for his cause number in the hundreds of thousands. Charles Lamb, the great essayist, said this. He said if Shakespeare were to enter the room, we would all stand. But if Jesus were to enter the room, we would all bow. He is the Christ. He is Lord. He's king of kings. He is the master of the sea. He rebuked of the wind. He is my king. And he is incomparable. And I must hasten on to say this morning that he is the incarnate one. Your Bible says, Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel." Which, be, which being interpreted is God with us. He is the only begotten of the Father. He's 100% God and 100% man. <laughs> R.G. Lee, the great pulpit master of Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee, said it this way. He said, he's so much like God as if not man at all. And he's so much like man as if not God at all. He's the God-man. Or you see him here in the boat, and he's weary. He's taking a nap. And you say, oh, he must be a man. But then they woke him up, and he rebuked the winds. And you say, oh, no, he must be God. John chapter number 4, he's at the well of Sachar. The woman comes in the middle of the day to draw water, and he said, hey, give me something to drink. I'm thirsty. And you say, looky here, he's a man. And then he gave the harlot a well to take home with her. And you said, oh, no, he must be God. At the tomb of Lazarus, he wept, and you say, "Look at his tears, He must be a man." <laughs> and then he cried out, "Lazarus, come forth!" <laughs> and the dead got up, <laughs> and you said, "Oh no, he must be God." <laughs> it was on that dark Friday, hanging on a cross between two threes. He took a, a, a breath and with a loud voice, he gave up the ghost, and you saw him die. And you said, he must be a man, (laughs) but wait a minute. Sunday's coming, amen. (laughs) And he walked forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave, he is God. He's the shepherd of the sheep. He's the master of the sea. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the lily of the valley. He is the one rejected and the one altogether lovely. He is Emmanuel. God with us he is incomparable and he is incarnate but I would say quickly this morning that he is the exclusive one John chapter 14 verse number six Jesus Christ is doing the speaking he makes this statement he says I am the way the truth and the life no one No one, no man, no woman, no boy, and no girl, no one comes to the Father, but by me. Acts chapter four, verse number twelve. Simon Peter preached this. He says, "Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved." What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that you can be a Muslim and never met Muhammad. You can be a Roman Catholic and have never met the Pope. You can be a Buddhist and have never met Buddha. You can be a Jehovah's Witness and have never met Taz Russell. You can be a Mormon and have never met Joseph Smith. But dear friend, you can't be a Christian unless you first meet Jesus. He's our Lord. He's our King. He's the incomparable one. He's the incarnate one. He's the exclusive one. And I got to hurry. He's the immeasurable one. He's more than what you and I can comprehend. And more than you and I can ever fathom. He is incomparable in his ability to save. The plan of God was manifested. Romans chapter 5 verse number 8. The word of God says that God sent forth. God commended His love toward us, listen, in that while we were sinners. He didn't say go home and turn over a new leaf. He didn't say go home and get better and come back. He said that while we were yet sinners, God loved us in that vile, wicked, sinful condition and sent his son to the cross and allowed Jesus to die for our sins. So that Romans 10, 13 could echo across the ages. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John chapter 3, verse number 16. The word of God says a very familiar passage of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him and got baptized and joined the church and gave money to the evangelist. It doesn't even say that in one of those paraphrased Bibles, does it? Oh no, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He saves the harlot and the princess. He saves the publican and the aristocrat. He saves the beggar and the rich man. He saves the Savior. He saved all of mankind. He is the Savior of the world, sent from the Father for all men. I love 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. He writes, My little children. He knows what we are, doesn't he? My little children. These things I write unto you. That you sin not. It is the will of God that you do not sin. But he knows our humanity. And he says but. (laughs) Don't you love it when God buts in. Amen. (laughs) But if any man sin. We have an advocate with the Father. He's Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation of our sins. And I love this verse number two. And not our sin only. But also the sin of the whole world. Oh, he's immeasurable in his ability to save. Can I say this to you this morning? He's immeasurable in his ability to secure. Oh, it it blows me away. (laughs) It's beyond my... Listen, uh, when I began to think about the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ... And his ability to secure us for eternity, hey, it blows the dust off my peanut. Can I say that? I mean, I hadn't got room enough in this little old brain to comprehend all that God is doing. Listen to what the Bible said. Romans chapter 8, verse number 38. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things, somebody shout, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29, Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father, which gave them to me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Years ago, my wife sitting here, she bear witness to this. My son gave me a great theological lesson. It was on one of them evenings when, as usual, we were getting ready for supper and Linda didn't have what she needed to make the supper. She said, I need you to run to the store for me. Well, I didn't want to go, but she said, I need you to run to the store for me. So I got up and got ready to go, and my little son, Chris, was there. He's about five, six, maybe seven years old. He looked at him and he said, Dad, I want to go. I did not want to take the boy. I wanted to go and get back. And my little boy looked up at me and he said, Dad, I want to go. I said, son, you don't need to go. It's raining and you know you don't like the rain. I know, Daddy. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. Son, you don't need to go. It's dark and you know how you hate the dark. It'll be all right, Daddy. I'll be okay. (laughs) And Mama says, why don't you take the boy? And so me and Chris went to the store. We got back a few minutes later, you know, and I had the grocery I had two bags. Back then, you could get two bags twenty five dollars. I hemmed up those two bags of groceries like this, and I started, and I realized I didn't have something. And I looked, and there he sat on the seat of the truck. I said, "Get out, Daddy!" It's raining. I told you when we left, it's going to be raining. Daddy, I'm scared. What are well, you scared of? It's dark. I told you when we left, it's going to be dark. Get out of the truck. No. Big old alligator tears rolling down his face. I shuffled those groceries around a little bit. I stuck out one little old pinky finger. I said, here, grab a hold of them. Let's go. What's your problem? Daddy, if I'm holding on to you, and if I trip and fall, I'll be gone. (laughs) And this is where the theological breakthrough came. He said, but daddy, if you'll hold on to me, and I trip and fall, you won't let me fall. Well, I'm so glad I'm not trying to hold on to him today. I'm glad that he's holding on to me. He's placed me within his hand and his hand is within the father's hand. Oh, he's immeasurable in his ability to save. He's immeasurable in his ability to secure and he's immeasurable in his ability to strengthen the weak. His hand never fails. Hebrews chapter 2 verse number 18, the Bible says, For in he that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. First Corinthians 10 13, the Bible says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. But God will with the temptation make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. He is immeasurable in his ability to save, in his ability to secure, in his ability to strengthen. And can I quickly say this? He is immeasurable in his ability to comfort. 2 Corinthians chapter number one, verse number three, the Bible calls him the God of all comfort. And I want to tell you, looking back over 45 years of ministry, I've seen him comfort and sometimes I've experienced the comfort of God when there can be no other comfort. He is able. To do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. The, fr- the songwriter wrote it this way. He said, oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I want to give you one last one today. Is that all right? I would say to you concerning this manner, this question, what manner of man is this? I would say to you that he is the incomparable one. He is the incarnate one. He is the immeasurable one. And he is the inviting one. Listen to what he said in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. What are you struggling with? What's bearing down on you? What is consuming you? To the point that you forgot who's in the boat with you. He said, come unto me. Cast your care upon me. I'll give you rest. Again, in Isaiah chapter 1, verse number 18. I love this. Come now, let us reason together. You know what he's saying? Come here, let's talk about it. Have you ever just had somebody, you know, you wanted to tell your side of the story? It seemed like they were listening to everybody else. Wasn't nobody listening to you. And yet here is God who created all things, who, who by him all things consist. He says, you come and you tell me your side of the story. Saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. And, they sh- and though they be red like crimson, they shall be wool. To the woman at the well in John chapter number 4, come. But Lord, you don't know her. Come. Yeah. To Zacchaeus up a sycamore tree in Luke the 19th chapter, come. Wait a minute, Lord. You don't know him. Come. Come. To the Philippian jailer in Acts the 16th chapter, come. But, but but wait a minute! Wait, a minute. come to Second Peter, excuse me, to Simon Peter, the one who had denied the Lord three times, the one who went back to his old way of life. I'm going fishing. There, in chapter number twenty-one of the Book of John, Jesus holds his hands out and says, "Come." But Lord, he's denied you. Come, come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. What manner of man is this? I'd say to you that he is the incomparable one. He is the incarnate one. He's the immeasurable one. He is the inviting one. And one last one. He is the imminent one. What do you mean? Revelation twenty two twelve. 12. The Bible says, and behold, I come. Quickly, It's been 2,000 years. He keeps time like my wife. My idea quickly is not so with our Lord. He's got it all figured out. And he says, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according to his word. Revelation twenty two seventeen. The Spirit and the Bride say, "Come." Let him that heareth say, "Come." Let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. He's coming again. And this time, he's not coming for a cross. He's coming for a throne. This time, they're not gonna put thorns on his head. This time, he's gonna be wearing the crowns of the saints of God. This time, when he comes, They're not going to be beaten on him. This time, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. The lion and the lamb will lay down together. The child will play on the whole of the last. And he will be sovereign. He's king. He's Lord. What manner of man is this? He is my Lord. Besides him, there is no other. Whatever your need, whatever your burden, come unto him. He's coming. But the question yes, sir. is, if he came right now, are you ready? Let's pray together. Father, God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the wisdom of the writers through the Holy Spirit of God that chronicled for us so that here 2,000 years later, God, we can still know about you and what manner of man that you are. And God, what you can do for everyone in this building today, if we would just come to you. Oh, I'm sure they're in the boat that night that the sailors struggled as hard as they could to get the boat right. I can see them out there bailing water. I can see them struggling with the sail. Working, 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 trying trying, trying, and all they had to do was reach out and touch Jesus and he stood and he rebuked the wind and the wave and said, peace be still and a great calm came. Aren't you tired of struggling? Aren't you tired of trying to figure it out? Would you just not come this morning and just bow in his presence and hear him say, peace, be still.